0: Welcome one and all to the greatest wrestling show on the planet, as hosted by your wily veterans, Will Macklin and Braden Mayhew, as well as the next generation
1: cohorts, The Beast from BC, Alec Misky, and the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. This is Wrestling... With
0: Welcome inside Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ1079, Odd Was New Music. I am the man they call Gibby Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is The Beast from BC. He is Alec Miski. Are you actually from BC?
1: Yeah. Oh. I'm from uh, Burnaby, British Columbia, birthplace of Joe Sackick. Oh, really? It's the only celebrity I remember from Burnaby. Just don't
0: put your hand in a snowblower and you should be fine.
1: Did he? He did. When?
0: A while back. Is he okay? Oh, he's fine, but like- Can he he still get like 100 points a season? Well, he's retired, so I don't think he will be (laughs) anytime soon. Like- Anyways, this is a wrestling show, everybody. and
1: uh, Is it? We're talking about my hero, man. <laughs> well, one of them. I mean, there's been like seven people that wore the number 19. Anyways. Yeah, Wrestling With Ideas. We got a big show lined up. Uh, not the big show. Uh,
0: he, we don't have an interview with him. But we Does are going to be talking about... Uh, well, no. But we are talking about uh, Extreme Rules. And we've got an interview with Les Thatcher. Now, as of recording, we already did the interview. And let me tell you this right now. He, Les Thatcher, probably one of the most knowledgeable guys I have talked to here on Wrestling With Ideas. Very knowledgeable. Every, every one of them is very knowledgeable, but Les Thatcher has a ton of years of experience as a trainer. Brought up a lot of, you know, he's, he's helped train a lot of guys as well. He really knows
1: his stuff, so you'd better stay tuned for that interview. Well, that's because he spent most of the show talking to either myself, Mayhew, or Macklin. Well, <laughs> it's 3M. That's true, that's true. That's true. 3MB? Oh my God. (laughs) We might as well just call it that. I mean, if you think about it, all our last names start with M's.
0: Yeah, that's true, eh? Macklin, Miski, Mayhew, and McGibbon. Oh my God. I didn't realize that till now. We're a four-man band!
1: <laughs> Heath Slater's rolling over in his grave that WWE put him in. And he's not even dead yet. He's I know, even, that's a sad I mean, he's part. buried, but he's not dead yet. I, I'm surprised he's still with the company. I mean, with that whole string of like releases they had, yeah. they like go Sandow, a guy that they just could do so much with and nothing happened. And then they have Heath Slater, a guy who does everything and gets nothing. So. Well... Well, let's get into Extreme Rules here. Uh, of course,
0: this is the new time we're on for Wrestling With Ideas.
1: Every Wednesday
0: at 5 o'clock is when you will now listen to Wrestling With Ideas. we got a ton lined up for the next couple of weeks, and we'll tell you that at the end of the show. But right now, let's get into Extreme Rules. Let's first start off with the no-disqualification match between Baron Corbin versus Dol Ziggler. It was a match. Baron Corbin won, and he needed to win.
1: Well, the sad part is Ziggler just jobs now. Yep. Like, He's uh, a jobber to the stars. Pretty much. Yeah. He is Heath Slater. He is Heath Slater. Now, to be fair, Corbin did need the win. He needs to look strong. He's coming up from NXT, but still, what are we doing with Ziggler? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean,
0: at least at least it's helping put over a guy, right? Because Corbin needs to. And you know what? I, I I can't wait for the eventual hair versus hair match with Corbin. Cause he is really losing a lot of hair, and it's not really helping him. It's and, and it's so scary. I think I think it's one of those times where a hair versus hair match with Baron Corbin would actually be really really interesting. Hell, he even do a hair versus mask match oh, with yeah. Kalisto, and you'd have Corbin being like against Kalisto because you know the whole gimmick of Corbin is he hates indie guys. You could try and find some sort of excuse to make Kalisto seem to be an indie guy, even though CMLL and, and AAA are f- the furthest thing from indie you could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. But, but, but make it seem like he's so like out there in terms of a character, Baron Corbin, that he has to attack every indie wrestler and just leave Reigns alone. That'll make him the ultimate heel.
1: That the would. ultimate heal. That would. That absolutely would. So uh, that mm.
0: was your uh, pre-show match. Really nothing much going on out there. We didn't have the pre-show stopper Ryback out there, so it really, no. it really doesn't help, man. It really doesn't.
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, there was no Ryback out there.
0: Don't you try and mess with my feelings now, Mr. Miski.
1: Um, I know. Well, did you
0: see what he tweeted, by the way? No. He tweeted, uh, so when do you want to see Ryborg in the impact zone? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And they say he has no character. Texas Tornado tag match between the
1: Usos and Luke Gallows. So wait, wait what is Carlos a Texas Anderson? Tornado tag match? Is that where everyone's active, but there's yeah, only that's there?
0: where everybody's in the ring at once. It was made popular by uh, world class championship wrestling with okay. Von Erics and the Fabulous
1: Freebirds. It just because Texas Tornado just like I picture something completely different.
0: Jerry Von Erich.
1: Well, a couple of the <laughs> Von Erichs. Let's leave it at that.
0: <laughs> um, uh, this match, you know, it was a good TV match. Uh, there really wasn't anything special. you know. It was a
1: SmackDown match.
0: It, it really was, which it, it ne- isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when we're talking like a network uh, pay-per-view or whatever we're calling this, these yeah, shows you, now.
1: Or like extreme rules. Yeah. You want them to pull up the stops, and the only stipulation is, like, oh, it's a Texas tornado. Yeah. It's like, so they're just both fighting at the same time? Like, this isn't really different from the no. regular product you're giving me, Vince.
0: No. I mean, Luke Gallows, I, I want to talk about Luke Gallows because Mayhew last week was ribbing me hard on this. Uh, you, I was mentioning that Gallos isn't that good <laughs> in the ring. No. I mean, he's a good character. I like, like I've him. S- I, I've seen his uh, shoot interviews, and he's a very much a character and he's really good at explaining stuff. Oh, so yeah. I think he's a good promo. I just don't think he's that special in terms of an in-ring talent.
1: No, absolutely. Like, he drives think, in a stable. Yeah, he, he benefits
0: from being a tag team. There's nothing wrong with that. Whatever no. makes, makes the guy get over. I mean, Anderson is clearly
1: the superior worker. Well, that's why he was in WWE before.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's why Luke Gallows was in WWE before, because Carl Anderson was the superior worker.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly.
0: No, but, I mean, for a Texas Tornado match, I wanted a little bit more, but you know what? A lot of people are booing the Usos right now. They're not bad in-ring workers. It's just they're so boring as characters. There's nothing to them. What is their character? They do do their uh, war dance at the beginning, and that's about it.
1: They're basically And they go a hard in the paint. Homogenized PG version of like The Wild n- Samoans, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing that you can ever count on from the USOs is a JBL call. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's it's a flying Uso, Maggol.
1: Yeah, exactly. You gotta love
0: JBL on
1: those. I mean, like his color commentary is the thing that. He makes...
0: was particularly bad. Uh, per- this
1: evening. Oh, that's like no, no, no. He's not particularly bad. He's just bad. When he's good, he's particularly bad. Because then you notice how awful the other stuff yes. is. Yes, no, but he was he was bad this evening. Like bad, bad. Like
0: he was bad, and of course, Saxon adds nothing to commentary. Where he's like, no. "Yeah, go get a Uso." <laughs> That's essentially what he does. It's like, you go get him, Jimmy. <laughs> Just He's the motivational support character. You know, we had Rich Brennan on last week, and they call him the millhouse uh, of WWE. Byron Saxon is the real millhouse of this damn company. Because well, no. he <laughs> provides
1: nothing. He's like the, um, this is a throw to Matthew because I know he loves punch out. He's like the the coach in punch out. Like, you can do it, Mac. Just keep <laughs> swinging your left. And it's just like, you're not helping me. You eat chocolate bars while I'm trying to train and you ride a bike and somehow I'm still running faster than you. It's like You re- need to reassess your life choices here, Byron. I'm trying to, I'm worried about you. You're drinking Bud Light Lime and we can all see it. Wow. That got dark.
0: That (laughs) got we went to a dark place there. United States title match: Rusev versus Kalisto again. I think we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I, I I, I had a feeling that Rusev was going to be winning this one, and he did. Brutal, the most brutal accolade we have seen from Rusev. Just pulling back on the guy, but then pulling him so far back that he uh, does a scissors around Kalisto's body and just. I thought he le- legitimately dislocated his
1: back. Did you see some like just the still images of that and like their oh, expressions? It was, it was just painful.
0: The match itself, a lot of people were digging it. I wasn't really. The thing with what, uh, not a Rusev guy. No, I love Rusev. I think Rusev's great. I just thought there were moments of sloppiness in the match. Oh yeah, and it's that's a Rusev you, match. Well, no, not even that. Kalisto in the match, and he's a luchador, and you're bound to expect that from luchadors. I'm
1: sorry, if, if they're, they're, they're not, it's not a clean art form for them no, it's more But the Lu- spectacle,
0: lucha libre. Has never been the cleanest art form, as you mentioned. Yeah. And so, again, me personally, I like to see some smooth, clean wrestling. And not to say I don't like Lucha Libre. I love Lucha Libre when it's performed, you know, correctly. And it's some, some of the most beautiful wrestling you'll ever see.
1: It's very... Um, but
0: when you miss in Lucha Libre, you miss. Well,
1: that's because, like, they'll do a lot of things in the air where they're, like, spinning around each other and doing a lot of motion. And it's not so much, like, holds and grabs and throws. It's these things where it's, like, there's a lot of intricate, quick movements. And, it's, like, if you mess one of those up, then it's, like, it, it's clearly visible, like you said. And that's just the problem because you expect that from a lucha um, organization. Yeah. Just because it's, it's still entertaining. Like, yeah. You want that high flying antics. That's why you go to them. It's like if you want, like, you know, ground and pound stuff, you go to Olympic wrestling or right. UFC. Now, uh, again, I just want to preface this. I, I thought this match was all right. I mean, there were moments of
0: like sloppiness, but overall, this was a good match. That finish, though. Mwah, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, it really put over Rusev. I cannot wait for when he drops the belt on Memorial Day to John Cena. That's like what next Monday. That's next Monday. Yeah. I cannot wait.
1: Because like everyone's seen that image going around, it's like that look when Rusev wins the, the <laughs> U.S. Championship and you return Memorial Day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Oh,
1: it's going to be so good to watch. And why be... am I happy that John Cena is coming back? Because of the U.S. Open
0: Challenge. Oh. I will be. I am more than happy of bring that back cuz he helped r- some of the matches he had on Raw. Like whatever you think of John Cena as a character or whatever, his matches in 2015 were fantastic, especially and you can make the argument, well, he had competent workers in Seth Rollins, one, Kevin Owens, yeah, and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, Kevin Rose. Owens
1: match like just like Sami Zayn.
0: I mean, well, but a, but at least
1: That's a Sami Zayn match, not a John Cena match. Right,
0: but like the thing is with with at least he was able to come up to the bat, right? He was able mm-hmm. to come up to bat in those matches and really put on a show. And you know, I I'm still under the belief he is a good worker. He had a good match with Zack Ryder, and I don't find him particularly amazing. Did
1: so they you know what? Go Zack Ryder recently.
0: No, he's still with the company. Okay, he, he just, gets paid a lot, actually. Gosh, y- I surprisingly, I, I, I recently, I recently, he's getting paid half a mil. I, again, this isn't really confirmed. I just saw like oh, a yeah, salary like, list. Oh there was a report. Last yeah. the latest. Salary thing I saw—he's getting paid more than half a million dollars to sit on
1: his butt. Well, to be fair, you know most like pro hockey players get paid like you know a little under a million to sit on their butt.
0: That's true. I mean, Ty
1: Domi did it for years.
0: Well, uh, of course. I mean, it's Ty Domi, and what do you? What else would you expect from a Leafs player?
1: Um, Uh, 14 goals in a year—you know—to be among his highlight season. (laughs) I love you, Ty. You're a great guy. Learn to shave.
0: Uh, last match we'll talk about before we go into a commercial break: WWE Tag Team Title Match, The New Day versus the VOD Villains. And uh, again, New Day, it's uh, it's starting to wear thin a little bit on me. I, I'm more. I, I still think they're great, but I'm st- they're starting to lose their appeal a little bit. And I think once Enzo and Cass start to get built up more and more and more, they're going to be the perfect. Uh, tag team to go after the uh, tag titles. Well, uh, I just feel right
1: then. now that New Day still has not had a solid opponent in the last year. No. And the VOD villains are just I felt they got buried at, in this match. Really? Like, I don't think they did a good showing at all. When they come out and all of a sudden they're just getting booed and fans aren't really behind them as characters, you no. know? No. I mean, it's true. It makes it like to us, like people watching, it's like they're fine. Vaudevillains are great. The only problem is, like, I'm looking at this through the Vince McMahon tinted glasses, which basically means everything sucks. (laughs) um, Unless I came up with it and then it's gold, even though everyone else there thinks it sucks. Yes. Because they're the masses that I'm trying to cater towards. Mm. But Roman Reigns, the guy. Yeah. The guy. Anyways, but yeah, so I'm just very worried about what's going to happen to them because NXT stars have had a poor track record after their debuts, especially following big pay-per-view matches. Tyler Breeze? Tyler Breeze.
0: Oh, boy. How far that guy is fallen! Again, this match, as you mentioned, it was a standard television match. It wasn't really... Uh, there wasn't anything really special. It wasn't really anything, you know... Flamboyant. Yeah, it was just you know, it was it wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a good match. It was the tag
1: team <laughs> match. Um, What's with the Roman Reigns? I don't know. I don't know bit. how that's
0: caught on. But uh, th- one of the most interesting things I found about this was. Uh, the vaudevillains hit the Whirly Dervish or whatever.
1: That the Whirling
0: Dervish? I think it's the Whirling Dervish or something like that. Or the yeah. Whirly Dervish or the whirly. Whirling.
1: Dervish. The, whir- the, wet the Dervish whirly. was a dancer in the Middle East. The Wet willy whatever. He used to spin around with big cloaks. Anyways, that's something I learned outside. Go on, give
0: Okay. It. And uh, I actually legitimately thought they were getting in the wind. Yeah. And then they kicked out and the crowd didn't react to this at all. Nope. <laughs> which just goes to show how over the VOD villains are. Which which is disappointing because I do like the VOD villains I think their gimmick is cool. I do like Simon Gotch. I think Gotch has just fully embraced the gimmick.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, and Aiden and, English and is good too.
0: English is good. I mean, good promo skills from what I've seen in NXT. I mean, he's not the most outstanding in ring wrestler, but you know he can get it done. Yeah. Um, he's no. just a good guy. To, he's a good solid hand on the card. It's just their gimmicks haven't really gotten over and that's unfortunate and it is such a unique gimmick that it's going to be really, really hard to get that over. In NXT, where it's a whole bunch of... It's a very smarky crowd and all that, and they kind of appreciate the creativity of the wrestlers. And plus, you get more freedom in NXT. Yeah. Like, much more freedom in NXT. So they got to do much more with their characters. But even then, once they started uh, to be on the roster a bit more, their popularity really started to fade and... It's, and I was worried when they were going to be called up because I noticed that waning popularity in NXT. And I was worried that was going to translate over to the main roster. And unfortunately, right now it has. So yep. it's, it's disappointing to see the Fatal 4-Way WWE Intercontinental title match.
1: Yeah, it's um, insane Wow.
0: I, I, I figured this was going to be an awesome match. Little did I know how awesome I thought this match was going to be.
1: I was just, this was the match of the card as far as I'm concerned. The asylum oh, match, the match of the I night. thought, was just ridiculous in concept. Um, and the heavyweight one, I just, who, who cares? It's you didn't like rain. it? So it's just going to be Roman Reigns who wins it, right? Right. But right. the Intercontinental title, like, this is the rare occasion where a Fatal 4-Way is better than a triple threat.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, my Lord. This was awesome. It just seemed like stuff was happening no matter what. And I love that. Because, you know, I mean, I understand why guys go for rest holds and all that. They got to calm. You know, they got to breathe and all that. And they got to, you know, they have to rest. Yeah, they have to rest. Like, it, it, it takes a lot But this was perfect because they understood a the timing and how and when the next guy should come in and do their big spot. It was like a never ending rush of adrenaline, which was awesome. And, you know, obviously we were making fun of The Miz uh, earlier before. But he, he really, to oh, me, he works. He, he works. he works. I mean, he worked a good match here. And he played his heel role perfectly in this match, I thought. Um, my, again, one of the best spots of the night was match starts immediately. Sami Zayn goes for the haluva yeah. kick on uh, Kevin Owens and knocks him out. Oh, that yeah. was so damn awesome. I love that. Usually and I'm then, not a big fan of finishers starting off the match because I find them kind of hokey. But in that situation... That was perfect because of the feud that those two guys have.
1: Well, exactly. And it just sets up, like, what's going to happen now? But it's like, you also have to look at it from the in-ring psychology as well, where he's starting off with, like, his best attack at the beginning of the match, and it literally had no effect on the outcome. Yeah. So just like, you know, maybe he should have watched some more Dragon Ball Z, listen to Vegeta's (laughs) ideas, you know? The the perfect, the,
0: the best thing about this too, I thought, the selling. Uh, oh yeah! Because he, Kevin so, Owens sold that halua kick for a long, long time. Perfect. That's exactly what you're supposed to do for yeah. a finishing move.
1: Owens knows how to sell things, and it's not in like a weird way that he knows how to do it. Like it's in one of those situations where it's like when he walked out to the Royal Rumble, he had a very strong match against Ambrose, where they both just beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he was just like, okay, I'm going to limp to the ring. It's like, obviously you're not injured, but you're going to sell that. So yeah. it's like, you know, half of the time of him coming to the ring the 90 seconds in between them, like, you know, the next person coming out, it's like, oh, it's just him trying to make it there, hobbling on a leg, and then it just goes nuts. Mm-hmm. So he has a good uh, mindset for that. Plus having uh, Zane throw out Miz and Cesaro and then jump through the ropes. Yes. That was great. And that's oh, right at the beginning.
0: Yes. That was, this match was a non-shot, not, non-stop adrenaline rush, rather. What? And, and just uh, so many, you know, the near falls were perfect. I, I, I was surprised about the result, but you know what? After that great of a match, you know when A match is really, really good that you no know, matter the result, you're going to be like, that was a great match. Oh, and yeah, they like the <laughs> um, But no, what, what it brings me back to was uh, Cena and Owens 2. Yep. That, in, in my opinion, was the best match of the trilogy Cena and Owens, too, uh, because just Cena really brought his game in there. And after that fantastic match he won, I'm like, you know what? After the match you had, you deserve it, buddy. Like, you deserve it. Oh, yeah. and Owens got his win. Cena, you had a great match. You deserve it. And that, it's so, it seems so simple. Just go out there and have a great match and people will believe it. But it's yet so hard in concept. You know what I mean it's just it's just there's a cognitive And to execute dissonance. this is really really hard. Oh, yeah. And so it's so it's like so seeing it here it was perfect and and the only thing I really the only thing I'll uh, slight on this match I didn't like how Cesaro he kicked out a two from Zam- Sami Zayn, still laid there. Yeah. Then The Miz rolled in, covered him up, and then it was a three.
1: Yeah, that I it, that I was like, it okay, it was a bit of a choppy ending.
0: That was a little bit. I was like, it, it, I would have been fine if Miz like brought him up and did another skull crushing finale. That would have been fine with me. Mm-hmm. But he stayed down and then took another pin and then took the three count, which. You know what? Like, I'll let it slide for this one, because usually I don't let stuff like that slide. But this match was really, really good. I'll let it slide, only because of just how good this match was. I cannot wait for a future Cesaro and Sami Zayn pay-per-view match.
1: Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. It's, it's if gonna we're going to see that
0: Yoshi tonic bomb again from Sami Zayn to Cesaro, please give me more pay-per-view matches. I will, buy, I will double the nine ninety nine. I will pay eighteen, whatever ninety nine. It is. It's not actually double. It's probably like nineteen or whatever. I'm not very good with math. I'm a wrestling fan. Let's move on to the next match, the
1: Asylum match. Dean Ambrose versus Chris Jericho. Where are you getting numbers from? It's it's nine ninety nine American. It's like fourteen ninety nine Canadian. Well, that's true. Not even. It's probably cheaper. Well. I wouldn't know. I don't buy it.
0: Oh well. The Asylum match. Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose. This was. Can interesting. we just be honest?
1: This was a fancy name for a steel cage match with weapons just littered all over the place. Essentially, because like it, I felt that they were trying to build up. Well, it's the asylum match. It's like it's like Dean Ambrose's house, and it's like I'm gonna hit you with a dirty mop now. It's like, <laughs> it you had a two
0: by four covered in barbed wire, a wh- bucket that you knew had thumbtacks in it,
1: and you went for the damn mop. Exactly. Exactly, like it just hell. Mitch would have been a better weapon than them damn mob. Like it'd be great, or Mitch Junior,
0: whatever that damn plant
1: was. Do you know what would be great? Is they just had like a ventriloquist dummy and he went and grabbed that and just started miming that it was Jericho. Because then I would have believed something was happening. (laughs) You stupid idiot! (laughs) Just imagine. Why, two jackass? (laughs) (laughs) But no, hilarious. There were a lot of good spots in it, and they but they just kept going for weapons and going for it, and kind of felt like. If you ever played, I can't even remember the name of this video game, but it's basically like you're two pit fighters, more or less, and you're fighting, going back and forth, and every so often, when you can get a weapon, and once you get that weapon, it's game over for the other yeah, person. Yeah. Like, it's just, you just lost that round, so it's like, you might be able to take it from them, but it's like, there was never that sense of realism in it, where it's like, no. oh, he's got this, this is gonna be bad, it's like, he gets a two-by-fourth barbed wire, and bros grabs Do you like, <laughs> I'm just like, am I watching a Ninja Turtle wrestling match? It might as well have been called the Ninja Turtle match, because it, it worked. I, I, I well, well, apparently like, for for all we know, apparently Dean Ambrose has
0: mastered the use of nunchucks. Yeah. I'm not sure because again we have Les Thatcher on the show and he trained Dean Ambrose. I forgot to ask if Les taught Dean Ambrose how to use nunchucks. I should have asked I that wonder question.
1: if he taught him how to do a Dusty Rhodes impression.
0: Hmm, that'd be interesting.
1: Hello, welcome to beautiful baby.
0: The American dream Dusty Rhodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like you either gotta really do like the long drawn out thing or you gotta get the lisp.
0: <laughs> the lisp. Yeah, the I am the American Dream Dusty Rhodes Nah, that well, doesn't really
1: work Well, while we're on the subject, what do you think about Cody Rhodes leaving?
0: Uh, I mean, disappointing It is it, it really is. I, I wasn't as much of a Cody Rhodes fan as other people were.
1: Huge oh, Cody Rhodes fan. Really? Oh, I just really liked his gimmicks. Like, because he put them, he made them work. It was like, you can give him the, like, the most ridiculous thing in the world. Absolute garbage. And he finds a I, way to turn it just into gold.
0: I'm not, I'm not doubting I'm that at all. That he, like, like to the, be able to work with the gimmicks that he had.
1: Like, Stardust? Like, amazing. that gimmick is so old now that people hate it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he actually made it work. He made
0: these because ridiculous he made his gloves own. work. Because he made it his own. Right? Yeah. He took influences from comic books he liked apparently and 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 he put oh, it yeah. into his like, like that's genius stuff and yet w- Vince come on like no, the best part was it but it's like, but again I'm not I I never saw Cody Rhodes as the main event talent never. as other
1: people saw him I see titles
0: I see titles definitely and and I never really saw him either as that great in-ring worker that people were trying to make him out to be and that's only because I don't think he had a lot of chances with some of the better guys on the roster to really showcase what he was able to do. Yeah. So again, it maybe just I never really saw so much of Cody Rhodes. My favorite gimmick from Cody Rhodes is his undashing gimmick.
1: Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like
0: he made that work so well. And then they and then it just stopped and they just kind of dropped the mask and they were like, "Okay, he's healed now." Right, it's just like why.
1: <clears throat> so I, I think his best gimmick was Rhodes Scholars with. Uh, oh, Sand. San- well, yeah, that was like, that was also. That great. was just one of the best tag teams. Uh,
0: I will always remember when uh, Sandow and Rhodes were out in the ring, and this was when the New Age Outlaws were wrestling on Raw. Oh yeah, and and that, that was like, about
1: two years ago now.
0: <laughs> oh, I think he, I think Sandow's it was like do 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 do. Oh, are you not aware? <laughs> 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 you're you're. <laughs> Uh, What what is it? Your gluteus maximus better uh, contact somebody or something like that. Just made it so sophisticated. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. And Sandow made that work. And I totally saw Sandow. Yeah. Because at least, I mean, Rhodes got it over. But Sandow got it over to a level that we had not seen guys be able to do. And that's why I like Sandow so much compared to Rhodes.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, basically, uh, basically they're the same... (laughs) What's Bosically? Is that like a bow system for mm. something? Anyways, basically, Sandow and Rhodes are more or less the same person mm-hmm. in the sense that they got the worst gimmicks. They somehow made them work. Like, how does sando take the uh, concept of this kind of genius character that just like looks down on everyone and make <laughs> it actually identifiable with the crowd? Yeah, like it was I amazing. Understand. He comes out in that stupid bathrobe all the time, it was like Fandango dancing, but people loved it. Yeah, but Fandango faded. Sandow stuck around for four years. Yep. Like, well.
0: Until he got cut,
1: of course. Well, I mean three and then nine months of not being on television until it's like, oh, hey, there's Sandow. We love
0: you, (laughs) (laughs) Sandow. But anyways, let's get back to the Asylum match. Uh, Again, what were your thoughts of the Asylum match?
1: Eh... Yeah. It didn't do it for me. Like they built it up to you be know, like this thing in my mind where it's yeah. like, it's gonna be crazy. And then it was rather tame. The only thing that really I mean, except the finish. Oh, the finish was the I, finish was like the best part, that was that the was best like part two of the best part. Yeah. Of like a twenty minute match.
0: Never had I thought that we would see thumbtacks ever again. And we saw him here. And it's uh I was surprised that Jericho took it. Because yeah. I thought Ambrose was I, I saw as soon as I thought saw the, the thumbtacks, I'm like, "Oh, Ambrose is gonna go right through those thumbtacks, and he's gonna go back to his CZW hardcore days, all that jazz." No, Jericho actually took that, and I was very surprised when I saw that. I was—I mm-hmm. was—I was actually legitimately surprised because yeah. I, I thought for sure Ambrose was gonna go through those thumbtacks.
1: Now is this a return to like blood and regular uh, WWE programming? No, I think
0: it's just a one-time occurrence to really get somebody over. Because, I, I, again, blo- the thing with blood in WWE, I'm not really, like, pro-blood or anti-blood. I totally understand why they have a no-blood policy. Oh, yeah. Like, totally get it. And you know what? Like, people are like, oh, blood, like, it, it helps make stories. Not all the time. It I helps
1: mean, make I mean, it better. It
0: makes it better, but, like, That's... the thing is, right now wrestling is at a point where it's all about the in-ring, the athleticism of wrestling and all that. Yeah. Blood Blood in those circumstances... It doesn't always, you know, enhance. It, it makes it better. Oh yeah. At, at times, but it's like you don't really need it now, in my opinion. You just if you go out there and have a solid match, like Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn, they didn't. Did
1: need they, blood. they didn't
0: have blood. Kevin well, Owens versus John Cena. Didn't Johnson, he like then.
1: clock him in the nose?
0: Oh well, yeah, that. But but that was. Like, I'm talking I'm like not, purposely like, bladed. Like, yeah, like
1: yeah, they didn't blade each other, but I just yeah, mean man. like you know like.
0: John Cena versus Kevin Owens. Nah. Did that have any blood? No,
1: but no. it did have a John Cena who, like, I don't even know if he can bleed.
0: The Fatal Four Way, <laughs> that's true. The Fatal Four Way match we saw earlier tonight—did that have any blood? I don't remember. That didn't have. That didn't have any blood. Had extreme rules, none, nonetheless. Yeah,
1: and uh, that's why I'm just like I don't recall if there was like. But anyways, I I, I'm
0: not like I'm not anti-blood. Like I could totally see why people want blood back because it can enhance a story. It's just you people are psychomaniacs. What you like, want blood all the time? I
1: think they want that like image of Austin where it's just like pouring. That's down his perfect.
0: Head. Like that's perfect storytelling right there. Yeah. Like bleeding from the front, tr- refusing to tap though and he looks strong. Like that's perfect storytelling.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what they want the blood to be. They like, don't want that, like,
0: hardcore violent. I'm going to hit rip you open with the chainsaw, and s- blood is going to squirt out of your chest. Yeah. What does that even do? I mean, I, I bet you that guy would kick out at two afterwards, considering the way that people sell oh, yeah. and all that today. So. Oh, yeah.
1: it's just, just I ridiculous. sound like an old man. You are an old man.
0: I am an old man. So uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break wait, when wait, we wait, come wait, back.
1: Wait. Ambrose won. Yes, Ambrose won, what what you needed to win. It was his house. He, he needed to win. Flo Rida said, you have to win, Ambrose.
0: I had just gotten that song house. out of my house. <laughs> it's out of my house. Damn it. We're going to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to finish up the Extreme Rules review. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Otto's new music. Really? Really. You brought in my house. Out of my house. Damn it. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios. We're going to finish up the Extreme Rules review. And uh, we're gonna go to the women's match, which
1: again, we need to have a screwy finish. I don't get these women's matches. It went from being like a legitimate part of the program to just being total divas, popcorn, bubbly garbage.
0: But it says women's on it, so it's okay.
1: I know, I know. (laughs) I, uh, I mean, like, well,
0: this wasn't this this match. Natalia versus Charlotte for the women's title. This match itself. I mean, I've seen a ton of Charlotte and Natalya matches. This was not their best one. I wouldn't say it's their worst one, but it wasn't the women's match.
1: You know they should have won? What? And I mean, this was all honesty. What? So this is what should have happened. Like, they should have been going at it. Like, you know, Natalia and Charlotte just, like, having a great, great match. And then Flair just kind of comes up, you know, right in the middle of, well, uh, Natalia has Charlotte in the sharpshooter and just gives her little elbow to the chest. And then, like, you know, just everyone freak out. Tom not run out of the crowd, start screaming at Ric Flair for what he did. Meanwhile, Charlotte gets the pin. Elbow gate, WWE. Wow. Yeah, put a lot of thought in that one.
0: Hashtag Alec for WWE creative. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, bro, you see here, oh, we're going to have elbow gate in WWE because, you but know you what? But you see the swerve is, bro. <laughs> we're going to use his knees,
0: bro. We're going to make our own knee gates, bro. It is going to be the next big angle, bro. Boy, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, this, this match, Dana Brooke got involved. She wore Ric Flair's uh, robe and for some reason wore a wig. He didn't really need to. Is um, she edge? On this day, I see clearly. <laughs> 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 I, I see edge. Um,
1: so yeah, Charlotte won. Of course,
0: we got another distraction finish. Yeah. It was just, Charlotte, Charlotte applied the figure eight and won the submission match. I was actually excited for a submission match between the two women. I'm like, this is the chance to have them oh, showcase yeah. their technical abilities. And we got the another one screwy has sharp finish has the submission.
1: And the other is the figure eight. So right. they both have like their own like submission moves. Right. And then we just got... Woo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, the next night on Raw, uh, Charlotte uh, broke off from Ric Flair.
1: That was great.
0: Rick Flair sold it man
1: oh man the best part was and I was reading like uh, you
0: all are gonna miss Rick. Flair I forget and you won't even realize this, it but
1: like the, the person's commentary on it was just great how like it's one of the most heartfelt and heart-wrenching moments in WWE but at the same time Charlotte just keeps messing up her lines every so often so it pulls you back out of thinking this is a real father daughter breaking up relationship type thing and brings you back to the, oh this is all just on the stage and then like you get built up again built up tear coming down your eye and then she flubs you're like oh Charlotte you're special
0: I I no I didn't see that entire segment because I actually fell asleep.
1: Oh, honey!
0: I am an old man. <laughs> now I saw that. Did Ric Flair compare Dana Brooke to Arn Anderson?
1: That's what I like. The internet erupted out over, and then like there's just the look on his face where he's crying. It's like, oh, Ricky. So he actually compared Dana Brooke to Arn Anderson. I think so. Yes. Terrible. Just Dana terrible. Brooke.
0: And Arn Anderson? Yeah. Double A Arn Anderson. Yeah. The master of the spine buster. Yes. One of the members of the Four Horsemen. Yes. One of the most underrated superstars in the history of professional wrestling. No. What do you mean, no? Yes. (laughs) Dana Brooke.
1: Yes. (laughs) Is Arn Anderson. Dana Brooke isn't Arn Anderson. (laughs) That would be like a twist of... Fate? M. Night Shyamalan No, not Twisted Fate. That's Jeff Hardy's move. Oh, yeah. That's true. You have to have meth to do that.
0: Yeah, that's true. We
1: Seek love you, would like to advocate to children to not do meth. <laughs> do not end up like the lesser of the Hardy boys.
0: Extreme rules match for the WWE World Heavyweight title, AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns. The, another
1: really good match, but it was essentially a replay of payback. As in, you yeah. knew that Reigns was going to win, and I mean, there was nothing special about this one. Oh, it's Extreme Rules. That doesn't mean a damn thing.
0: I will say, Reigns really brought his A game tonight. He that did.
1: He black did. Tiger
0: Bomb. Oh yeah. Do you know the you know the Black Tiger Bomb? It's essentially a razor's edge, yeah. But then thrown over his head and drops it down into a bit of a liger bomb, actually, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of cool. Um, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, the only thing I didn't like about Range was when he did the, yeah, bonacious, you know, thing. I was like,
1: what was that? Sc- screw off, Range. Like, you're supposed to be the, baby, the baby face. face. <laughs> you're not supposed to be this guy that's hip and cool with the times. No. That's the heels job. Uh, you're supposed to show up in a big suit and tie and be the guy. Hey, that rhymed. Mm, very nice that. rhyme. I will take that. You will. Take I will that. take that all the way to the end of this match because why did Roman Reigns win? And we both know the Roman Reigns winning is not the best part of this match. No, it wasn't. No, no. There, there was. Like oh, it was. This, it was what there's, happened there's after this the great match. thing. It was beautiful. It was so amazing. You just you just couldn't believe your eyes. And we'll tell you what happened next after this quick commercial break. No,
0: let's no. talk about it
1: now. Okay, fine, but only because you're babyface McGee. All right. So, what happened? Extreme rules ended.
0: Let's go to the less stature in inter- it. No, uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins returns to rest. Uh, it really wasn't that funny.
1: No, our four listeners are wondering why they're still listening. <laughs> um,
0: but yes, uh, Seth-, Seth Rollins returned. Huge pop.
1: Yeah. Huge. Lays out reigns. So beautiful to watch. Just like It was gorgeous. It was. It was like that moment when you discover that you can put bacon on a pizza. Mmm, yes. And you're just like, words should have sent a poet. And then Seth Rollins comes and lays out Roman Reigns and holds up the WWE championship. You're like, there is some sort of a god, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure. I kind of question his reality. CrossFit I'm agnostic. Jesus. CrossFit Jesus. That's he's back. It's I love that nickname CrossFit Jesus. Cuz it so works for him. It works and it works on so many different levels.
0: Oh, he's he was
1: so it was so great. Yeah. I'm so I'm so glad he's back.
0: And next night they announced Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. Yeah, and I am going to love this match because I know Reigns is going to step up to the plate. Whatever you want to say about Reigns' character, you cannot deny. No matter how good the other uh, worker is, he has been in. You cannot deny he has been in good matches. You don't have to like. You don't have to say he is the good worker. You don't have to even say he's a great worker. But you have to acknowledge that he has been in good matches. Yes. You have to acknowledge that. Otherwise, yeah. you are the most ignorant person in the world. Mm-hmm. He has been in good matches.
1: So has Hornswoggle.
0: And so has Hornswoggle. The WLC match. Fantastic. And El Torito. And El Torito. He has been in good matches in 2016. Roman Reigns.
1: So. And who. No one's had a good match in 2016 except Sami Zayn and Nakamura, and Owens. No, just Sami Zayn and, and Cesaro. They set the bar really high. And Miz. Well, <laughs> I know. I mean, here's here's a match that overshadowed WrestleMania.
0: Yes, that's true. Although apparently, like, just going a little bit off topic. Fight forever. That was a great chant. The Evolve show that same weekend. Apparently, Ricochet and Will Osprey had an incredible match. And I I will admit, I read Meltzer's reports. So you can hate me and call me a dirt sheet writer, but I actually kind of like... Dirt sheet writer. Or sorry, dirt sheet reader or whatever. But uh, I actually... Filthy McGibbon. I I actually, I just like reading his stuff because I just find it interesting. Um, Fair enough. He said that the Will Osprey-Ricochet match at the Evolve show was better than Nakamura and Zane, And if you put the nakamura Zane crowd at that match, it is one of the best matches you will ever see. That's some high praise. That is some very high praise. So I still haven't checked out this match, so I'm going to go check it out once I have the time. But, again, not taking anything away from Nakamura and Zane. So right now, Nakamura and Zayn is the match of the year for me.
1: Oh, yeah. no,
0: it's, My match of the year. It's, Number two, maybe the Fatal 4-Way. It was okay. that good. Well, um, so, anyways, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to bring you to our interview with... Legendary wrestling trainer, less stature. He's done so much. Yeah, like like a lot. Like not just wrestling training. Oh, everything. Oh, he's been a, a TV host, color commentator, actual professional wrestler. Uh, he's done bodybuilding. I will obviously <laughs> actual professional, an actual wrestler. legitimate pro wrestler. Oh. Uh, like during, Kurt Angle. Like Kurt Angle. No, no, like uh, like uh, he he was a NWA. Uh, like Hardcore Holly. Oh, don't bring him in there. NWA Tag Team Champion. Uh, He's been a booker, a promoter, just a whole bunch. He's been a radio host. He's done a whole bunch of things. Check out that interview right after this commercial break. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 1079. Ottawa's new music.
2: Hey, this is Les Thatcher. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. Don't miss this show. It's a good one.
0: You're listening to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. This is Wrestling With Ideas. And on the line with me, we have Les Thatcher on the line. He has done a ton in the wrestling business. He's done everything from training to wrestling to being a talent scout to being a host. A whole bunch of different roles. And he is joining us right now. How are you doing today, Les?
2: I'm doing good, Zach. The only thing I haven't done is got rich yet. Can you figure that out for
0: me? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't solve that question either. I'm still trying to figure out myself. So all right. I, I'm, I'm hoping to find it out soon. But, uh, yeah, we're, we want to go through uh, your career. Uh, you started out as a wrestler uh, all the way back in the uh, 1960s, actually. Uh, can you just describe the NWA uh, during that time period and just professional wrestling uh, during the 1960s? Uh, wow. Well, yeah.
2: actually, uh, July 4th of this year will be... Be the 56th anniversary of my first professional match. I I went to Boston. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. For those who don't know, and I went to Boston as a 19-year-old in 1960 to uh, learn the business. And of course, then it was a closed shop, so it was a whole different ballgame. And I had my I started wrestling in uh, 19, uh, July of fourth, 1960. And had done something in the business ever since. Of course, the NWA was. Uh, the promoter I started for actually was, I don't know what you'd call him today, an independent. He wasn't associated with any particular federation in Boston, but um, the first big promotion I worked for was Indianapolis, Jim Barnett, in 1962. But uh, then I moved, you know, started working for different NWA promotions. NWA was the. Uh, Big gorilla, I guess, and the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. They were, you know, they were pretty much the uh, the powerhouse of, of professional wrestling at that point in time. And uh, so, you know, it, it was uh, the great thing, about, I think, about that that period of time to learn the business. First of all, when I started, it became a full time occupation for me. Uh, but the great thing was that every territory you went to. Uh, It had its depth of veterans who had been to the dance or led the dance or whatever. And so it was like, you know, going to a different college every time you changed uh, territories. And uh, to me, you know, I I don't know what they call the golden age of whatever, but uh, during uh, the 60s and 70s, uh, I had the uh, honor and, and privilege of working with some of the top guys I think ever in the business uh not only as wrestlers but as commentators or producing television and working with different bookers who I would think if you know history will tell us that uh, we're probably some of the most creative guys ever
0: and uh You mentioned you were, you know, a commentator and host. How was that transition from wrestling in the 1960s and transitioning into more uh, media like Uh, you were an editor and writer and a writer, sorry, for different magazines? You were also a host for many different uh, wrestling programs. How did that transition come into play?
2: You know, a lot of the things in my career happened just where happens dance. Honestly, I did my first broadcasting in the Maritimes uh, for Rudy uh, Rudy Kay, The Cormier family. Uh, Rudy had uh, lived next door to me in Charlotte. We were working that territory, and when he uh, started the territory up in the Maritimes, they they ran a season from mid-April to mid-October, and I went up the second year in 1970 to wrestle and as it were his commentator uh... was called to I, I believe toronto anyway i had a death in the family and had to leave and um uh, so i was just basically uh, you know, here here it is. Rudy called me. On, we we lived in Moncton, and Rudy called me on Monday. We wrestled in Moncton on Monday night and went into Halifax on Tuesday, worked the house show there, and then went Tuesday Wednesday morning did our TV in Halifax. And anyway, he called me Monday afternoon and, and mentioned, you know, when we were talking and riding up and down the roads in the Carolinas, that you might like to try broadcasting at some point. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, bring a coat and tie to to Halifax or get your try your shot. At first, I thought he was ribbing me because he and his brothers were noted as great ribbers in the business, but it was a shoot, and so I went in cold. You know, I had done some interviews, I had never seen a format, never queued in or out of a segment, and realized in 1970 the, there was one. There wasn't a, a team; it was just the one guy. So uh, that was where I got my indoctrination as a broadcaster. But then from uh, for the next 10 years uh I wore both I well wore several hats but uh you know I combined wrestling with broadcasting and then it uh, branched out it, when I came back into the Carolinas uh into the uh, editing and, and publishing of magazines and that sort of thing too but uh, I uh, from 70 to uh, 1980 I I did broadcasting produced television and wrestled uh as well
0: mm-hmm. and uh between all the promotions that you worked uh, during that time, whether it be as a broadcaster or a wrestler, what do you? Uh, which promotion would you say was the most uh, interesting uh, work environment to be a part of?
2: Wow. Uh, well, you know, I, I think probably the three three offices, uh, the, the the three territories where I worked in the, I got the opportunity to work in the office, so I saw you know basically both sides of the coin, as it were, and that would have been the Charlotte office, uh, the Atlanta office, and the Knoxville office. Uh, I was involved, well, for a short time in Mobile as well, but the the Charlotte, Knoxville, and Atlanta probably uh, were the most educational and, and, and interesting because not only was I wrestling, broadcasting helped produce television, but had the opportunity to work in the office and sit in on booking meetings, and so... It was, uh, it was a great education all the way around.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to go a little bit further uh, into around the 90s where you were working with uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And just a question I want to ask, uh, Jim Cornett uh, was heavily involved with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. How, what was it like uh, dealing with Mr. Cornette?
2: I don't call him Mister Cornette. He's just Jimmy to me. Well, you know, the first time I met Jim uh, Zach was in 1978. He was a fan. There was a group called the Wrestling Fans International Association (WFIA), and each year, uh, this was back when fan clubs were were big in the well, in a lot of things, I guess, but in the wrestling industry, for one. And this was a uh, a group of uh, fan club presidents and wrestling fans, and they had a convention each year. Uh, in a different, uh, host city, depending on where the, you know, uh, the booking office was, they had it in Atlanta, they had it in Houston, they had it in Kansas city. And in 1978, they had it in Knoxville and, uh, Jimmy was there as a fan. In fact, he won, uh, best action photo by a fan was awarded a, a plaque for that at that year's banquet. Also, Eddie Gilbert was a uh, at that as uh, that con- particular convention as a fan, but that's where I first met jimmy and uh you know so he was he was just taking photographs and was a fan at that point in time but i you know uh, i i think i understand jim Jim is very passionate about the business I worked with a lot of people uh that were you know similarly uh vocal uh in expressing their likes and dislikes i can t- i can tend to be that way myself sometimes but Uh, Jimmy uh, is a brilliant mind in this business. You know, you just have to know how to take him. And it's not necessarily listen to how he says something, but listen to what he says, because for the most part, what he says is, is fact.
0: And uh, in terms of uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, it was only around for a couple of years, but it really brought up a couple of uh, big stars uh, through that. Uh, Jericho was down there. Candido was down there. Uh, were there any stars uh, from that uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, little territory uh, that, you, that you find could have been much bigger in a role with uh, WWE or WCW? Uh,
2: well, yeah. yeah. You, you forgot Lance Storm. Uh, Kane uh, was uh, part of that crew. He was the Unabom, uh, unabom at the time. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, my, my dear friend, uh, the late Brad Armstrong, uh, I, I think uh, when Brad passed away at age 50, I always felt that the sad thing was that he never really got... The spot, you know, a lot of things in our business about timing, about being in the right place at the right time. I, I think Brad was probably one of the most technically sound wrestlers I, I've ever seen, and uh, great personality. Uh, he wasn't the promo that his brother Road Dog was, or his father Bob. But uh, in terms of in ring, he was a tremendously talented young man, and uh, I, I think he could have done a lot more given the opportunity.
0: And uh, during that time as well, you started also transitioning into more of a trainer and a talent scout role, uh, also being a, a trainer and talent scout for both uh, WCW and uh, WWE. Uh, what was it like being that uh, trainer and talent scout uh, first in WCW, especially during that time uh, when it was considered to be on its uh, downfall?
2: Well, you know, uh, I, I became a trainer almost by accident as well. Like I mentioned, the broadcasting um, a friend of mine who the original beautiful bobby his name's bob harman from cincinnati uh he was the original beautiful bobby uh, and was uh, managed by the grand wizard in wwwf years ago anyway bob called me here in 1992 and uh, said there's a guy that has a wrestling school here in cincinnati and he has a trainer that's not capable and he's going to end up losing everything if, excuse me, if uh, he doesn't replace him. And I said, okay, why are you telling me this? Because it had never crossed my mind. Although some of the older guys, some of the guys younger than me that broke in during my time in the ring credit me as being one of their mentors or trainers. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of us that that filled that role years ago. Anyway, uh, I wasn't really interested until I went to my first independent show, and I was horrified. By what I saw. So I said, okay, let's give it a shot. So that's when I became a trainer. Uh, you know, it was uh, with the thing with WCW, uh, it was uh, I, I worked with people that I had uh, basically grown up in the business with. Jim Dillon and I, JJ and I had been friends actually in tag team partners since about 1972. Uh, Terry Taylor uh, was just a, a kid getting his feet wet when he came into Knoxville in the uh late 70s and we've known known each other since then. Gary Juster uh, was another, you know, guy in the office. Um, you know, it w- it was a strange situation. Uh, I I I wasn't in the office in Atlanta too often, but in just talking to the wrestling people, the JJ's and the terry's and uh Joe Hamilton and uh, people like that who worked in the, in the office uh, there were times I would call and ask a question, and they didn't have the answer. But they would get the answer from someone who I don't, I can't say wasn't qualified, but probably didn't have the background or experience that they had to, uh, you know, to make a, you know, uh, uh, educated decision. So I think, and, and in part, it seemed like to me that a lot of the. Uh, executives from that, from the corporate, uh, under that corporate umbrella, that were moved into that position were like, well, wow, this is, this is like a step down, you know, and they looked down their nose at the business. And so I, I think that hurt it to a great degree as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, also during that time in uh, WCW, there was a lot of young upcoming guys like uh, Sean Stasiak and uh, a whole bunch of others uh, from WCW. Many felt that they could have been uh, the future of WCW had it been around much longer. Uh, What were your thoughts on some of the upcoming guys uh, that were going through the power plant and all that uh, during your time with WCW?
2: Well you know i I thought they had a lot of you know good talent uh, you know here's here's the thing zach it's like a race car you could have the the most powerful racing motor in the world if you don't have the proper driver, the proper suspension on the car uh the proper fuel mixture, et cetera et cetera then you don't win races so uh you know it's it have you can have good talent, but if you don't have the right people. Putting things together, Um, you know, I I don't. I never worked closely with Eric Bischoff. I don't know Bischoff that well. Uh, I actually could say I can't really say I know him at all. But I I think here was a guy that stumbled onto something with the NWO, but then once it was started to peter out, didn't know where to go from there. Uh I, I thought one of the things that helped their ratings so much was uh Kevin Sullivan who uh, he and I had worked together in several territories over the years. Uh I think the the clever thing about what Kevin did during the Monday Night Wars was uh you could watch the big heavyweights, you could see the cruiserweights, you could see the luchadores, they had pretty ladies. So it was like you might sit through something you weren't really Immersed in to get to something that you were, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that was the the deal. And until they actually started putting more wrestling in the ring uh, in WWF at the time, which you know helped sway things in their direction when they had, you know, when they were pushing Bret Hart and and uh, Steve Austin and uh, you know Shawn Michaels and a lot of great talent at that point in time. But yeah, there were a lot of well, you know, when I got to, when I when WWE swallowed up WWE, uh WCW uh a lot of the cruiserweights came here to Cincinnati to to work uh under me honestly we were uh, bj whitmer with ring of honor is one of my kids bj was over he lives in the area and was over last week we were looking at some of the old television shows uh from 2001 and 2002 and he agreed with me we could have sent our cruiserweight division from HWA during that period up to the main WWE roster and they wouldn't have missed a beat. They would have helped, you know, uh, and they would have been entertaining. They could have solidified. They could have had their own storylines or angles, whatever you want to call them, and solidified things. And a lot of those guys came out of uh, WCW. Jamie Noble, Shannon Moore, uh, Lash LaRue, Kaz Hayashi. Mm-hmm. And we, had, we had a great cruiserweight lineup.
0: Mm-hmm. And... Uh Going over into uh, World Wrestling uh, Entertainment, the WWE, uh, when you joined there, how different would you say it was uh, from working with WCW to working with the WWE during that time?
2: Well, they they had more of a direction, I think. They knew where they were going. They weren't just trying to survive. And... uh... You know, I I think that was the important part. Uh, Although I I think now probably they've got a better handle than back then because back then, OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, Danny Davis and Jim Cornette, uh, they were just like 125 miles down the road from me in in Louisville, Kentucky. And between the two of us, we had a lot of strong talent. Um, And I I think now they're probably more on top of that because they've condensed it all into the Performance Center in Orlando. (laughs) Because, excuse me. Uh, but you know you can't. That's the thing too. I, I think the system needs more than one training center. I think the system needs more than one or two scouts uh, to work regions, uh, similar to baseball. You know that has their minor league teams in, in varying cities, and uh, they have a, a multitude of scouts that work certain regions. And I think, well, you know, some of the kids that are being looked at on NXT now are guys that that I worked with three or four years ago. Uh, that I saw the value in, that. And, and it's not. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying, well, I'm smarter than they are. But the point is, you know, even an octopus only has so much reach. <laughs> so, and there, uh, the independent scene isn't the most fertile place in the world to find great professional wrestlers. But there, you know, uh, if you start weeding your way through it, you'll find a lot of guys who are talented. <laughs>
0: And uh, let's talk about just your training. You've trained a whole bunch of guys, uh, as you mentioned, Kaz Hayashi, Jamie Noble, BJ Whitmer. Uh, one of also the more notable uh, trainees that you trained was uh, current WWE superstar Dean Ambrose. Uh, how, how, how would you describe Dean Ambrose when you were training him uh, in your gym?
2: You know, he was a very dedicated kid. He started with, uh, actually, I uh, he started with us. I sold the business. He stayed on, and, and the uh, a young man that I had trained uh, continued to train him. And then I, I, always take the stance there that I took the rough edges off. I started going in uh, and working with their advanced people on, on one night a week, and one of the uh, the people that was the most consistent was Dean. And uh, so we started to talk, and I real, you know, because that that's the thing. You know, there are so many guys that play at this at an independent level. They're they're hobbyists. You call them what? The weekend warriors, forty milers. There's a million names that they're called, I guess. But the point is, they're not perfect. They're they're never going anywhere, and they don't care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you and I going out on the golf course and buying a twelve pack and riding around and getting half drunk out of our mind and, and hitting the golf ball around. you know We find that fun, but we 're never going to play with Tiger Woods or any of the top guys mm-hmm. but uh with him, you know when, when you find somebody that is that dedicated and and they 're concerned with psychology and and pacing and how to tell a story, not just how many goofy bumps can I take you know. Mm-hmm. Then you start paying more attention to those people, and he was one of those guys. And uh, he had somebody that had been with WWE uh, and and then left had seen him and and told him, "If you put on some size, uh, you know, I I can I'll try to get you uh, looked at." And when I found this out, I said, "Well, then let's do that." you know, when it, when it was called to my attention, I, I didn't notice initially. And then when they called it to my attention, so, so I, that's also a part of my background as well, Zach, I've done competitive bodybuilding. I've worked with professional bodybuilders and, and so forth. So anyway, I got him on a good, good nutrition plan. And, uh, we put the size on, and at the time, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard was the, still the head honcho at, at WWE Developmental. So I called him and I said, "Here's a deal. Uh, you know, one of your, one of the guys that used to be with you had promised this young man, you know, a, a look see. If he put some size on, he has done that. So how about giving him a shot? So that's how it's how he got his foot in the door.
0: That's really cool, and. uh it also should be noted that uh, Dean Ambrose, is wh- when he first broke in as well, he was part of a CZW, uh, Combat Zone Wrestling. You were actually uh, a consultant uh, to the CEO of uh, of Combat Zone Wrestling, and there's always been that debate of, you know, is hardcore wrestling real wrestling? What are your thoughts on that whole uh, uh, idea of that? No, there,
2: you know, that's been diluted, too, I think, Zach. If we go back to Terry Funk and Mick Foley, Uh, Here are two guys that understand psychology and and storylines and pacing and and technically how to work a match. You know, guys your age have never seen the young Terry Funk that I first met in 1967 in Tampa, Florida. But this guy was one of the most amazing in-ring performers ever. I mean, in terms of knowing how to get heat and and how to bring the crowd along, you know, and get them emotionally involved. Uh, So these guys were you know, diversified from, they could do something besides the hardcore thing. I think there are a lot of guys today that uh, will let you hit them over the head with a barbed wire baseball bat or whatever, uh, because they actually, the old expression is, Zach, they can't slap their ass with both hands. They can't work. (laughs) They're not good workers. So, well, you can, I'll get blood and then you can hit me with weapons and that'll make me a wrestler, you know? Mm So it's, um... You know, we had uh, chain matches and and fence matches and uh, death matches and that sort of thing, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, but it was, I don't know that the term, Terry Funk told me once, he said, you're hardcore. I said, you're crazy. No, he said, because you are so immersed emotionally in this business and you are so dedicated and passionate about it that you're hardcore. And I said, okay, if you say so, I'll take your word for it. <laughs>
0: um and uh, let's just talk about some of today's wwe you mentioned uh, nxt what are your thoughts on that whole training process of nxt currently
2: honestly i think it's it 's a product I prefer to watch over over uh, the main roster product because of the st- they well you know when I saw uh, Sa- uh, sasha and and Becky wrestle for the first time is about a year ago, I just i thought i 'm in heaven my god they 're using a short arm scissors they 're using wrestling holes uh, in truth uh, you know I, I think with the exception of of Natalia and maybe Paige you could you could move the entire diva section out. And move just the girls, you know, from uh, NXT, and 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 have a much deeper division in terms of actual in-ring talent. But I I, I like what they do down there. Uh, some of the kids down there now, I've had the opportunity. Corey Hollis, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, Drew Gulak, who is getting into the I think the cruiserweight tournament. Uh, Drew wrestled for me. Uh, well, you mentioned CZW. I trained with him in CZW along with Adam Cole. Uh, when Adam was just first starting, but uh, Johnny Gargano is being used down there. I've worked with Johnny before. Uh, you know, it's. I think that the key today is the same key that it was 50 years ago, and that is be as versatile as you possibly can. The bottom line, I think the shortcomings with a lot of young guys today is they learn how many rotations they can do off the top rope before they actually know what a top wrist lock is or how to sell a hold or or how to tell a story it's more about entertaining themselves opposed to uh, you know worrying about the people that bought the tickets and, and I think that's the shortcoming where we didn't have you know I mentioned earlier about uh, all the veterans in the locker room years ago uh, back then uh you sat with your mouth closed and your ears open and you did what you were asked to do and you learned you know and and a lot of times it was if you were making a two hundred and fifty mile trip with a couple veterans in a car and they were picking your match apart on the way home you you were a captive audience you know Mm -hmm. and again you were taught i I think more a deeper respect for the industry as such Mm -hmm. opposed to it's just entertainment and that sort of thing. I I think that's, you know, across the board, and I don't care what promotion it is, I I think we're missing the boat today uh, due to the lack of uh, trying to emotionally involve the the audience.
0: And uh, going off of that, uh, I'm going to bring back Jim Cornett into this. He's made mention that uh, he believes that the, the idea of professional wrestling uh, is dead considering uh, you know, where it was in the 80s and to where it is now. What are your thoughts on that uh, ideology that uh, pro wrestling as we know it from the 1980s is, is gone?
2: if you think i i i i'm not crazy about the current product in the, in the major companies that i'm able to see on my television be quite honest with you it's not that those guys can't work uh we mentioned WWE. carl anderson started with me as well uh, in fact he still lives in the area and i still see him occasionally uh but those guys they know how to work i know for a fact right and and I also when i say i don't like the current style or the current it's not a personal issue uh it's i realize it's a it's a business it's a job they're being paid to do whatever however goofy it may be and that you know when i when i do i do weekend training camps and so forth with different promotions and one of the things i tell the kids you know i said look uh... the smart thing is to get a good foundation good fundamentals a good basis under basic understanding of the business under you but then if somebody says forget all that and act a fool and I'll pay you seven figures, act a fool. <laughs> you know, don't don't hesitate. Uh because it's a business and that's that's you know what it's about. Uh do I think bad comedy is my uh something that I enjoy? No. I I you know I don't like bad comedy no matter if it's in the wrestling ring or, or any place else and and I I think we're pushing that to the point of it you know people can't emotionally get involved. One of the things uh, that I think holds true today or or any day is you can't turn Barney Fife into Superman. So once you've been a clown, you are a clown.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, let's go into uh, just your personal training philosophy. What do you look for in talents uh, coming from a trainer perspective?
2: Well, you know, you uh, you look for uh, agility, obviously, timing, flexibility. You know, the crazy thing there, I have seen great athletes come out of college athletes uh, that couldn't do what we do. Uh, I've seen other professional athletes that couldn't do what we do. Uh, and I've also seen, I've also trained a few guys that, Due to their size, will never, you know, be a major player anywhere. But they became good professional wrestlers and actually had no athletic background. You know, this our business is a business unto itself, and uh, you know, one of the things that that I, you know, is try to suspend people's disbelief. And if some young guy says, oh, you know, everybody's smart. Yes, I know. And I was smart to movies about the time I was nine years old. I knew those cowboys weren't really shooting those Indians. And, you know, if I watch a good television, dramatic television series today, it's because they suspend my disbelief or they emotionally connect with me. And I think that, again, is I think uh, it's not Paid attention to enough in our business today, and I think that is what you need to do to improve. Is uh, one of the things that um, I, I, you know, I tell kids uh, they think I'm crazy, but watch The Voice. Well, of course now, uh, uh, American Idol is off the air now. It's it's finished up its last season just a couple months ago, but. Uh, because you'll hear the uh, judges at these particular shows talk to those singers, those entertainers, and say you have to emotionally connect with the audience. And I think that's true whether you're watching a movie, whether you're watching hockey, wrestling, or whatever it happens to be. So, I, And I think we're overlooking that uh, to a fault, actually, over the last number of years.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there any uh, wrestling trainers out there that you look at and say, wow, this guy's doing a great job uh, with some of the you know, recruits that are coming out of their uh, tr- wrestling schools?
2: Yeah, sure. I you know, I, I have had the opportunity to work with Tom Tom Pritchard and I have done training camps numerous times together. Uh when I was when we started EPWT Elite Pro Wrestling training, that was Harley Race, Ricky Steamboat and myself. So of course, you know, worked I, and I uh, the when Harley first started doing the NOAA camps, uh, I was uh, in, involved in that. I've had the opportunity to work with Lance Storm. Uh, Rip Rogers, uh, you know, they're they're all good trainers. Bob Evans is is a good trainer. That that's you know to me that's as I travel around and I find some of these guys who are interested in the history of the business, interested in the psychology of the business, and and how it you know the basics are. Uh, that that's like finding a rare jewel. In it's uh... and those are the guys you need to learn from. There are a lot of people who will tell you they're trainers. But they need training themselves. That's the sad part about our business. They, if you're buying price, then you know you you can't get a Cadillac for the price of a Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way. So, you know, and, and of course, some you know the guys down in OVW, o- uh, our OVW um, in, in the Performance Center. Adam Pierce, uh, I've been around. Adam is is very talented uh, uh, young man. Terry Taylor's down there. Um, you know those guys uh, are are talented as well but you know if if you're a young athlete and you want to get into this business then before you spend your money with a trainer find out he, who where he's been who he's trained get some references uh, because there are too many guys out there taking your money that that absolutely have no idea how to get you anywhere except lighten your wallet
0: Absolutely. And uh, one last quick question before you is uh, what wrestler, what's currently uh, the wrestler you look forward to watching uh, on TV, whether it be with WWE or even on The Independents?
2: Wow. Wow. You know, I like Roddy Strong uh, with Ring of Honor. Uh, I love watching him work with some of the Japanese guys. He's an amazing, talented guy. Kyle O'Reilly, I I haven't seen the the tournament they're doing in, in Japan. This week, But I was talking to somebody who saw his last match there, he was talking about what a phenomenal job he does. And I think young Kyle, it, it, there's a lot of good guys out there. Uh, it's just, you know, and I mentioned earlier, Drew Gulak, Timothy Thatcher, who's with Evolve, uh, is an amazing athlete. Uh, Johnny Gargano, they're all good. All those guys are good workers. And again, you know, the sad thing, does that mean they're all going to end up on top somewhere? Probably not. Again, part of this is about being timing. It's about being the right place at the right time. And, and sadly enough, our business is subjective. You know, if you're, a good, if you're a good hockey player, then you get work. If you're a good football player, et cetera, et cetera, you get work. Uh, you can be a great technical professional wrestler, but if somebody doesn't look like, think you're cute enough or you've got the, you know, what they want, uh, it becomes subjective. There are a lot of guys, ma- you know, and don't get me wrong, there were guys making money at this business years ago that weren't great technical performers, but they understood timing and the psychology and so forth, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- that's, that's the biggest thing, I think, is, uh, is to put that back in the mix.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your time, Les. It was a great chat with you. Uh, is there anything you want to promote quickly before we head off?
2: Yeah, if you don't mind, uh yeah, I'm uh, I am going to be in Richmond, Virginia, uh for Ground Zero wrestling. Uh July 8, 9, and 10, I'm going to be in Cordelia, Georgia for Why We Wrestle, which is the uh that's they call the Southern Church of Wrestling at, at the, the building there it used to belong to NWA uh Wildside and Anarchy. Uh, George uh, South and I are going to be doing training there. And I'm talking to a couple other. I don't have the other dates locked in, but if you're interested in using me for a weekend training camp or seminar or whatever, you can reach me, Les at EPWT.com or Les Thatcher at ZoomTown.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for the interview, Les, and uh, hopefully things keep going well for you.
2: Well, thank you, Zach. It was a pleasure, and we'll do it again sometime. You have a good day.
0: All right. Sounds good. For all your raw reviews, wrestling interviews, and opinions, this is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back inside Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ1079, Ottawa's new music. Boy, that was a great interview with Les Thatcher. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff. We will have the full interview with Les uh, up on our uh, Podbean account, wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and uh, also Google Play uh, Podcasts. Uh, So that is uh, some cool stuff. I think it's still Google Play Music or whatever, but we're there. Go on ahead, listen to it. Uh, Listen to the previous episodes. Uh, I put up recently a brainstorm edition of Wrestling With Ideas. Episode 45, 46, and 47 combined into into one. one. Over three hours of us. If you like that, definitely go check that out. But we got a great interview with there with uh, Devin Hannibal Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we've had him on a couple times before. Uh, always an interesting guy to talk to. This uh, new interview, we talked mostly about his time in Deep South Wrestling yeah. and just the different stuff he did while he was down in that territory. And, uh, of course, we talked some other things about the business. So definitely go check that out. Last week, we had our interview with Rich Brennan. And uh, let me tell you. We have a YouTube channel, by the way. You should check out Wrestling With Ideas on YouTube. Uh, so go subscribe to us. We put up clips uh, from the interviews. Go check them out. Our Rich Brennan interview. Uh, w- I put up clips of uh, from the Rich Brennan interview. Uh, one of the things that was really hotly talked about was uh, him and uh, Tom Phillips. Now, for those who aren't aware, uh, the whole ordeal was uh, his wife had sent a tweet to the Taz show talking about how Tom Phillips was a backstabber and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, and, of course... Uh, Rich Brennan addressed this and he's only addressed this as far as I know on wrestling with ideas. So if you want to listen to what he said about the whole situation, check out uh the full well check out the full interview and you can listen to it there as well on Wrestling with wrestlingwithideas.pobby.com, but also check out our YouTube channel uh wrestling with ideas obviously and ser- and just search up Rich Brennan, we have a playlist there. Already 750 views mm-hmm. on that. A lot of people really were interested to hear uh, what that was all about. So Go subscribe. We'll have more great content on there. We're going to put up our interviews with JTG, Jeff Jarrett, and the upcoming interviews, which I will get to now. Next week on Wrestling With Ideas, we're going to be having not only a a former WWE superstar, but he has also competed in UFC and is part of their Hall of Fame, the UFC Hall of Fame. And he boasts one of the greatest mustaches in the history of the world. Dan Severin, the Beast, Dan Severin, will be on Wrestling With Ideas next week. And it is going to be awesome. He is super excited uh, about doing the interview with us. So, And we're super excited to get the interview with him. So Dan Severn will be on next week. Uh, then the next week, uh, we don't have any interviews uh, booked, but that may change uh, depending on if I can work some, some magic around there. Um, but the week after, we have got a WWE Hall of Famer on the show. We have two-time Intercontinental Champion and two-time World Tag Team
1: Champion, Tito Santana. It's going to be a great interview. I am so excited. I love Tito Santana. Tito
0: Santana is awesome, and we're so happy to be having him on. Uh, That's going to be on the June fifteenth edition of wrestling with ideas june 15th is the wednesday i believe so uh keep on tuning in we're gonna have a lot of great interviews uh coming up in the next couple of weeks and uh so keep on tuning in again listen to us on wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com also listen to us on itunes stitcher TuneIn radio player fm and all of that great stuff and
1: dwp nation and
0: of course pwp nation they have the top superstars of all time that they're doing right now it is fantastic stuff Really great web- website. We love uh, being a part of them. And uh, so keep on checking that stuff out and keep uh, keep close to uh, Wrestling With Ideas. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Capital W Ideas. That's Wrestling Capital W Ideas. Give us a follow there. We will be posting updates, including uh, new uploads for our YouTube channel, new uploads uh, for the Podbean account for a full podcast, and uh, more news updates as well. And if you're not really a Twitter guy, give us a like on Facebook. Uh, Also under same name, Wrestling With Ideas. Again, we will post updates there. So keep tuned in to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music every Wednesday at 5. Until then, guys, have a good one. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Keep updated with everything going on with Wrestling With Ideas by following us on Twitter or leaving a like on the Wrestling With Ideas Facebook page. Listen to archived episodes of the show on Podbean and the Podbean app. Or take a listen on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. We will be back next week to Wrestle With Ideas.